parked with scant respect, incidentally, for the recognised parking order. It claimed sanctuary near the rear axle, and regarded me balefully as I half knelt in entreaty. Karen eventually joined me, out of breath after no more than a light jog. She picked up a few papers and thrust them at me. I've got to catch my bus. I've got to get home early this avo. Did she mean afternoon? Right, I said. You get your bus and I'll stay and grovel to the owner of this monstrosity. Why do you have to grovel to me? asked a voice, produced by entirely congenial nasal passages and a wonderful chest cavity. It would have been poetic if I could have turned, got up and thrown myself into his arms in one eloquent movement. But it was not to be. My knee seized halfway up, and all I could do was flail awkwardly until he shot out a hand to steady me and haul me to my feet. But I ended up in his arms. No, this was no Mills and Boone encounter, just the return of my cousin Andy to his native city. I hugged him, laughing, then pushed him away. What the hell are you doing driving a gas guzzler like this? It's Tobes. What the hell were you doing, kneeling, worshipping it? And what are you doing in Brum without letting me know? The gig isn't till the end of the week. Been checking out the music centre, he said. That didn't quite explain his presence at five ways, but no doubt he had his reasons. And the more you asked Andy, the less he was likely to tell. You had to wait for the moment when he chose to be expansive. Where's Ruth? I asked. Ruth was his new wife. Something of a surprise to many. Andy had been going out with an airhead with big hair, but had suddenly and completely fallen in love with her aunt, a headmistress of about forty. Back home in Devon, she picked up a nasty bug in Vienna. Wonderful, she swans round the worst refugee camps in Africa, as if there were no such things as germs, and when she gets back to civilization, she gets the first thing on offer. So, where are you staying? By rights, it should be with me. Andy always stays with me, but usually has the grace to fix it before he arrives in Birmingham. With you? There seemed to be a slight note of doubt in his voice, or perhaps I was just too sensitive today. I should bloody hope so. Look, I've got a couple of things to see to first. Would it mess you up if I turned up later, say, ten? Could you book us in somewhere? It was unlike Andy to concern himself with such trivialities as my convenience. Ruth was undoubtedly house-training him. This business of checking out a venue suggested a new punctiliousness too. There's a new restaurant attached to the Indian takeaway. I said promptly. If he could be efficient, so could I. Now, what about that report? I stepped back to let him open the car door and trod hard on a foot. Karen's. I had no idea she was still there. I'd vaguely assumed she had gone off for her bus. I turned to apologise profusely, but from the glazed look on her face, she might have been one of those religious fanatics who are above pain. Disregarding a temptation to stamp on the other one to test this theory, I realised I had another apology to make. I hadn't introduced her to Andy. I slapped the car's flank and gestured. 
Obligingly, he got out with a smile. Slightly cooler from the one he'd given me, but perhaps she wouldn't notice. I introduced them, and he chatted easily. Suspecting, I suppose, from long experience of dealing with teenage fans that she'd be tongue-tied. Then, before she noticed, he'd retrieved the paper and given it to me, bidden her a cheery farewell, and driven off. Poor kid. She was blushing so hard she was almost in tears. Oh, Sophie, she said at last. Wasn't he lovely? I'm in his hands. Hasn't he got lovely hands? And those eyes? Did you ever see such lovely blue eyes? And his teeth? I let her ramble on. She wasn't particularly discerning in her list. I think Andy would have done better to have had a brace when I had mine, and although he was now...